Hey guys, and welcome back to Leadership on Purpose. I'm Blake Bozarth, and this is the show that's designed to help you grow your influence and lead with confidence and with humility. I just got done talking with a legend, guys. We're talking with Gary Ridge today. His accent is Australian, his wit is sharp, and his wisdom is plentiful. He is the chairman and CEO at WD40, a worldwide brand. He's been there for well over 30 years, and he's really led the way in fostering a culture and a business that's truly, truly special. And you're going to hear some of the statistics, some of the survey reports, some of the way the company's bottom line has grown over time and top line has grown over time. It's amazing because he's a practitioner of these leadership concepts that we talk about on this podcast, the ones that we read about in books. He's good friends with the likes of Ken Blanchard, Simon Sinek, and others. He's a he's an influencer on LinkedIn. He has over 100,000 followers on LinkedIn that read his content. You'll definitely want to check him out. Um, but Gary is really bringing these concepts to life in the real world. He's not He's not just writing about them and talking about them. He is practicing them. And it's amazing to see. We're going to talk about what does it mean to create a tribe and why does he use the analogy of a tribe for the team at WD40. Some really powerful stuff in there. You're going to hear about Al, who is the soul-sucking CEO. So (laughs) he'll get a kick out of that. I wish you could see the video of him showing us Al. And we're going to talk about learning moments. And Gary is big on learning moments at WD40 and how he creates a culture he and the leadership team have created a culture where people aren't afraid to make a mistake and just how valuable that is and how they've gone about doing that. You're going to hear this concept of empathy, eating ego. And we also talk about how, how can you lead a return as a leader? How can you lead a return to work post-pandemic? The people that we worked with before the pandemic are likely changed in a lot of ways. We all are by this, by this massive event. How do we lead that return back into a new normal and there's just a lot of nuggets in this episode. Gary, I think you're going to appreciate it. What do we like to say? If you do, if you if you get something from this, be a river and not a reservoir. Find someone else who you think will get value from this. Share it with them. Help them grow as well. And if you're not subscribed yet, encourage you to click the subscribe button. We appreciate you for being here. And without further ado, let's jump into the show. <music> All right, guys, I'm here today with Gary Ridge. Gary, welcome to Leadership on Purpose. Hey, good day, Blake. It's great to be with you. Great to be with you. Can't wait to jump into lots of different topics today. Before we do that, I'd love to hear if you could share a little bit of your career story, Gary. How did you get to where you are and what you're doing today? Well, you know, I, I could never have written this book, but uh, certainly it's been a journey. I joined WD-40 Company in Australia in 1987. In fact, July 4th uh, was my 34th year with the company. So um, I've been around a little while. Um, and they asked me to join to open our Australian subsidiary. Back then, we were about a fifth of the size in revenue as we are now. And the company was really very focused in the US and they had a I had an ambition, a dream to take the blue and yellow can with a little red top to the world. And um, so I started in Australia. And interestingly enough, my dad was an engineer. And I can clearly remember um, mentioning to him that I'd been offered a, a position at WD-40. And he gave me some great advice. So anyone out there, listen to your dad. 
because my dad said, you can't go wrong with that stuff, son. And he was right. <laughs> and uh, so I worked in Australia from 87 to 94. In 94, I was having a chat with uh, my then boss here in San Diego. And I said, is there anything you should like me to do? And he said, funny, you should ask. Uh, do you want to move to the United States? And I said, to do what? And they, he said, well, you, you do have a passion to take the blue and yellow cam with a little red top to the world. Why don't you come over here and help me do it? I said, oh, okay. So nothing like disrupting yourself, you know, picking up a family, moving 8,000 miles, you know. And, wow. and But every time you disrupt yourself, something great happens. So I moved here in 94 into San Diego. In 97, he retired. And uh, for my sins, for whatever reason, I don't know, the board thought that this you know, Aussie guy might make a good CEO of a public company. And I, it all started then. So, uh, and that was really the start of a wonderful like, leadership journey. Um, it, was, it was a time when you know, I really had to come to grips with things like micromanagement isn't scalable and, and, and mm. what do you do? Um, I, was, I was in a very um, curious time in my life, but I, as I look back, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. That's, that's amazing. Um, I love the, I love the story. I love the fatherly advice that you got along the way. And I know today, one of the things I definitely want to dive into with you is you have been talking about the unexpected learning moment that has recently been thrust upon us in the COVID era. Tell me, tell us a little bit more about that. What do you mean by this unexpected learning moment? And what do you hope that companies and leaders do differently going forward? Yeah, thank you. So as you may know, at WD-40 Company, we don't mistakes, we have learning moments. And uh, the reason we call them learning moments is to, to reduce fear. Um, and our definition of a learning moment is a positive or negative outcome of any situation that needs to be openly and freely shared to benefit all people. So what we're really doing is giving people permission to, to really make mistakes but as long as they share them. So the unexpected learning moment happened, I guess, to the world back in March, you know, 2020, when, um, you know, we, we were hit by something we didn't expect. And from that, um, there was a lot of learning. Um, one of the biggest learning moments I had from this gifted learning moment we got was in times of real need, people can pivot around fear. And a great example of that, Blake, is what we're doing right now the way that we've all become better at being virtual. Um, you know, we, we're a global company. We sell in 176 countries around the world. We have offices in 18 countries. So the sun never sets on WD-40 company. But, you know, we, we had all this technology in place, but we were afraid to use it. And suddenly, you know, March something, there was no option. You know, it, was, it became compulsory. You know, other things that we learned were people are going through their own personal hero's journey. And, and Blake, the person that we said, see you Monday morning to back in March 2020 is not the same person we're going to say good morning to when we all virtually, you know, get out of virtual world and become um, more like real human beings, which really crave this personal contact. So that's really important. I think the other thing that I hope comes out of this, I just hope, I've been, a, I've been passionate for a long time about how bad we are as leaders of organizations. In fact, I, I created someone called Al, the soul-sucking CEO. I happen to have him here. This is Al. He's the soul-sucking CEO. He looks and like a soul-sucker. 
He is. And, you know, Al is the sort of guy who his ego eats his empathy instead of his empathy eating his ego. He must always be right. You know, he's corporate royalty. He has all the answers. It's never his fault. He always blames someone else. You know, he probably has a private car space. He has the biggest office in the building. Um, you know, he, he doesn't really, he's, he's not a learner. He's not curious. Um, all of these things. And the outcome of that, Blake, which is really, really devastating is this. Some research was just completed by the AP, APD Research Group, group globally. They, they did it in 19 countries. And eight out of 10 people who go to work every day are disengaged. They're not going home happy. And whose fault is that? Ours. Because we create these stinky places where people go to work and they don't make a contribution to something bigger than themselves. They don't learn something new. They don't feel like they're protected and set free by a compelling set of values, and they don't go home happy. And what's bad about that? If we send people home happy, happy people create happy families, happy families create happy communities, happy communities create a happy world, and tell me anyone who doesn't think we need a happy world. So it all starts right here with us as leaders. We can change the world one day at a time. Wow. I'm getting goosebumps over here. Across across the way, this is this is powerful because it really it really underscores a responsibility of leadership that I feel like oftentimes gets overlooked. And it's not just it's not just the impact that we have on someone during those nine to five work hours or whatever your work day is. It's much more far reaching than that. And the the way that we as leaders in businesses and in, in in private enterprise have the ability to shape and influence society at large is, is unbelievable. One thing that really resonated with me and, and, and all that spiel, and I love, there are so many nuggets in there I want to unpack, but one, one that really resonated with me is coming out of this pandemic, Gary, you said that the people that we were talking to before pandemic, maybe during pandemic, they're going to be different people by and large. And in, in, in a lot of respects, when we see them again, and we try to return back to whatever the new normal is actually looking like. And companies are starting to do that now. Unpack that for me a little bit more. What, what are the implications for leaders as we are returning back to seeing each other in person again? And what should we be mindful of? And how should we intentionally lead and care for others during that time? Well, I think the big thing comes out is, is it's really empathy, is being interested in how they are. So you know, the first question we want to ask is, Blake, how are you? How's life? Talk to me about the journey you've been on. I'm, I really would love to know what's changed in your life. And what do, you, what do you see the future like now, knowing what you know now? But more importantly, how can we help you be who you want to be? Because if there's a new, a new you inside of you, we need to know who that is. Because I only know the old you. I don't know the new you. Now, if we've been good at holding up our communication and keeping our, our cultural equity high during COVID while we've all been separated, we probably know a little bit. But, you know, there's a, you learn a lot more when you sit down around the coffee table at the office and you just have a bit of a chin, as we call it in Australia, a bit of a chin wag, you know, a bit of a chat, <laughs> yeah, a yarn together. We're going to have a yarn, right? And you learn a lot more. So I think it's – and I also think take time. When COVID happened, it was like turning off the light switch, right? 
turn off the light switch, the world basically went dark. When we're going back, don't turn off on the light switch. It's a dimmer switch. You have to turn it up slowly because if you turn the light on too bright, it's like when you walk out of a dark room into a lighted area, what happens to your eyes? You can't really see. So what we've got to do as leaders is it's not about, hey, we're back and everything's blah, blah, blah. It's, hey, let's get to know you. Let's understand you. Let's see who we are. Let's have these communications. We care about you. Let's turn up that dimmer switch until eventually we get to a, a, a light that we're comfortable with. Wow. Great analogy. I love also your concept of empathy eating ego. And there's just, there's a, that's just a great application for us as leaders to internalize as well. I want to ask you more. We, we recently talked to Lisa McGill on the, on the show. She did a great episode on this for the future of work. And we talked about this concept of what many are calling a turnover tsunami, like a looming turnover tsunami with employees, with team members, in your case, tribe members, which we, we got to get into in a couple of minutes here that are, that are proactively looking elsewhere um, for work. And a lot of this kind of pending the pandemic kind of settling a little bit, that, that they're coming from cultures that maybe they don't feel like this is healthy for me anymore. And they're looking for new jobs and the way the world's been opened up for talent to work anywhere. How are you guys approaching this at WD40 to keep tribe members engaged and to take advantage even of opportunity to pick up new talent that is looking for a healthier and better place to work. Sure. Thank you. You know, it reminds me of that saying, I've had enough of this and I'm not going to put up with it anymore. And I think that's what a lot of people came to the realization of during COVID. So, you know, building a strong culture didn't start with us yesterday. We've been doing it for 20 years Hmm. and 98% of people who work at our company say they love to tell people they work at WD40 company. 96% say they respect their coach. We have a 93% employee engagement and halfway through the pandemic, I wanted to make sure we weren't draining that, that cultural equity. So we went out and we, we've been doing employee opinion surveys since the year 2000. So you know, we really have been serious about that. So we did a kind of a a check-in. And one of the questions that came back to me from the survey that I was just got so excited about was the one that said 98% of our tribe members globally say they are excited about the company's future. Now, this is right in the middle of a pandemic. So the question to ask is, why are they saying that? So digging deeper into that, we found out why. The reason they're saying that is we kept our tribal promise, which is a group of people that come together to protect and feed each other. And by doing that, our tribe believes we can get through anything together. So now they have this circle of safety that means if we can get through this, we're going to be able to protect our families. So I think rightly so. We're going to see movement. As I said, those eight out of 10 people who are going to work every day globally and are disengaged, they're going to be looking for somewhere where they can call a place where they really feel like they belong. Because belonging is one of the biggest desires we have as human beings. If you think about Maslow's hierarchy to self-actualization, the first two rungs say, can I eat and am I safe? And the third one is love or belonging. And that's where most organizations begin their failure because they don't make sure that they create an environment where people actually know they belong. My dear friend, Ken Blanchard says, 
It's a shame most people only know they're doing a good job because no one yelled at them today. Yeah. How sad is that? Yeah. Wow. There's a, that's unbelievable. Uh, I'm, again, I'm, I love just giving you something, letting you run because there's so much, there's so much nuggets that come out. Those statistics, Gary, are unbelievable with your employee, with your employee surveys, especially in contrast to, to um, the benchmarks. So question for you, unpack a little bit more how over the last 20 years, what, do you, what have been some intentional strategies slash steps that you, you guys have taken as leaders at WD40 to create a culture that produces that level of belonging and engagement and just enthusiasm to be a part of the tribe? Sure. So four things you need in business to be successful. People, purpose, passion, and products. And you don't deliver passion in an envelope. You have to create it. So the first thing that's really important to us is, are we a people culture? Do all our leaders believe it's all about the people? If we do, the next thing that's most important is what's our purpose? Why do we exist? Here's our purpose. Our purpose is to, to create positive lasting memories by solving problems in factories, homes, and workshops around the world. So if you ask us what business we're in, we're in the memories business. We create positive lasting memories with all of our constituent groups. So do you have a clear purpose? That's the next. The next thing is, do you have a clear set of values within the organization that will protect people and set them free? And are you going to make sure the organization lives those values on a daily basis? And then, do, are you a learning organization? As we say, we don't make mistakes. We have learning moments. Now, of course, you have to have a great strategy and you have to be bold executors. But you can have the best strategy in the world. But if you don't have a high will of the people, like high engagement, you're not going to maximize the output of your organization. So let's say we put a strategic plan together for a business and we took it along to Harvard and we said, hey, strategy experts, tell us how good this is. And they said, hey, that's a pretty good strategy. We'll give you 80 out of 100 score on that. But what about if the will of the people was 10? And Aristotle said, pleasure in the, in the job puts perfection in the work. So if we're, our job is to ensure the will of the people is high. So will of the people 10, strategy 80, outcome 800. What happens if the will of the people is 80 and your strategy is 50? Because most strategies are only half as good as they think they are. Your output's 4,000. Wow. So you've got to have create the high will of the people through being people-focused, having a purpose, high set of values, being a learning organization, and then have that sit on four pillars. The pillars are care, candor, accountability, and responsibility. If you work at our company, I care about you. It's my job to help you step into the best version of your personal self. Candor, no lying, no faking, no hiding. I believe most people don't lie. I believe most people fake and hide. Why? Because they're afraid. Mm -hmm. So let's take fear out by, by that. Um, accountability. What do you expect of me and what do I expect of you? Most organizations don't have any clarity around what we expect from each other. 97% of people at WD40 companies say, I know what is expected of me because we're very clear with each other about what we expect from each other. And the last one is responsibility. Are we going to take each other seriously and live up to our responsibility and then do that every day? So here's the algorithm for culture. Culture equals parentheses, values, plus behavior, close parentheses, times consistency. So you've got to have the clear values, 
You've got to have the behaviours. Your, your leaders have to be brave enough and love your people enough to praise the great behaviours, but to redirect the ones that aren't in line with the values. And then you've got to do it every day, every minute, every day, every minute, every day, every minute. Wow. Hearing that formula, Gary, is just that much more like impactful for, yeah, your strategy can be off the charts. If your culture is subpar, your, your results are extremely limited. Tell me more, like, again, th- like these, these results that you're getting from your, from your surveys are just off the charts. Consistency is a, is a big piece. How, how, how as leaders do you, from senior leadership, I guess, down, how do you create that kind of culture where you are getting the consistency that you want, that you want to see from your leaders and from, from everyone in the organization? How do you That's- create a culture of consistency? You know, when we went to school, or at least when I did in Australia, I went to a science class, right? And the teacher gave me a Petri dish. You know what a Petri dish is, right, in science? And they said, all right, we're going to put stuff in this Petri dish and we're going to grow culture in the Petri dish. And what did the science teacher tell me to do? Every day you've got to look at that Petri dish and you've got to make sure toxins aren't getting in there that are going to end up with a big bowl of toxic stuff that you don't want. So as leaders, you have to be very clear about what the values of the organization are, very clear about the purpose, and then you've got to watch that Petri dish very carefully and make sure that if any antibodies are getting in there, you either you know, take them out or at least treat the antibody to make sure that it's not going to you know, um, turn that into a toxic mess. So it's, it's consistency. It's embedding it. It's, it's, it's understanding that culture is a competitive advantage. And it truly is. Because let me, get, let me just share this with you. You might think this is all kind of you know, fluffy stuff and, oh, yeah, you can have all these numbers, but you, is the, is, is, does it create economic value? In the 20 years at WD-40 company, we've 5X'd our revenue and our market cap, we're a public company, We've taken it from $350 million to $3.5 billion. And all we do is sell oil in a can. No, we're in the memories business. And it's all because of our people. All because of our people. Even though, you know, our product is a fabulous product. It does a lot of great stuff. It's a secret formula. It's just unbelievably great. But if, if we didn't have the people and the passion and the engagement that we have, we could be any oil in the can. Amazing. That's, that's powerful. So back to this concept of a learning moment and, mm-hmm. and, and, and encouraging people to be able to step out and take risk and even make mistakes, learning moments. How do you, how do you create that kind of culture where fear is not present to be able to take smart risk? What, what did that um, look like? Well, firstly, by, by admitting that everything we do is not going to work, right? We know that. And by not punishing people for, you know, slipping up. Um, you know, I mean, now, th- there's two, two versions of learning moments. There's the learning, if, if you have a high level of competency and a track record of, of achievement, the chances of, of a serious learning moment are low. So our job as, as, as our organization, and it's part of the core of our tribal culture, 
So let me touch on why. If you think about tribes, and our tribal culture is based on the studies that I've done and others on Indigenous people around the world. And tribal to us doesn't mean a particular Indigenous group. It means what are the habits or behaviours of certain groups around the world that have had them be together over time. So let me use the Australian Aborigines or the Indigenous Australians as an example. If you and I were to turn back the clock right now and go down to the centre of Australia and be there near Uluru or Ayers Rock and be peeking out behind a, behind a Coolabar tree watching a group of Indigenous Australians meet, we'd see them sitting in a circle and we'd see the tribal leader there. So what would the tribal leader be doing? His number one responsibility is to teach the younger tribe members to throw a boomerang. Why? Because the boomerang is the tool of survival. So what's the number one responsibility of a tribal leader? To be a learner and a teacher. So at our organisation, we don't have managers. Everyone's called a coach. You don't report to your boss. You report to your coach. And our number one tribal responsibility is learning and teaching. So by doing that, we embed it in the organization. The other attributes of a tribe are values, um, belonging, future focus. As a part of a tribe, one of our attributes is we need to be future focused. Let me give you an example of how that's worked for us just recently. About six or seven years ago, we, we saw that that e-commerce was going to be something that was different in, our, in, in the world than it is today. So we decided to start investing in what we called raising our digital IQ. Mm. We brought in new competency. We learned more. We started to understand it. We studied it. When COVID hit, bang, what happened? Our e-commerce business went crazy because we were ready for it, because we had foreseen that that was going to be something different and we prepare for it. Or the other thing, attributes of a tribe is their specialized skills. So we have to, you know, I sat with the Fijian island tribal leaders and they said to me, you know, you've got to have people in your organized, in your tribe with specialized skills. We have some that are better fishermen than hunters, some that are better, better builders than, than, you know, gatherers. So identify what those specialized skills are, respect them all and prepare them. We have to be warriors. Okay, we're going to protect ourselves, you know, as our tribal promise said, it says a group of people come together to protect and feed each other. And then finally, and probably most important, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate when things are great. We're going to celebrate when things aren't so great because life's a gift and we're not going to send it back unwrapped. We're going to un unwrap that puppy, <laughs> I tell you. Oh, I'm so fired up. I, I could listen to you all day, Gary, and it pains me. It pains me that I have to let you go here, but this is unbelievable. And the way you unpacked the way you think of tribe and starting with that foundation of a leader's primary responsibility, being a learner and a teacher is, is unbelievable. And everything else you unpack in terms of providing for basic necessities, making a sense of belonging, the shared values and celebrating which I think oftentimes goes overlooked in so many, so many cultures who may get some of those other things, right. It's um, it's a great, it's just a great analogy. And I love the way it's played out for your business over the last 20 years. It's, it's incredible. Before I let you go, I want to hit a few closing questions with you. And the first we'd like to ask our guest is around your why, what is, what is your why Gary? What is it that drives and motivates you? 
I have the greatest job in the world. I wake up every morning to help people create positive, lasting memories. The most exciting part of it, that is finding all the different ways to do it. Amazing. Amazing. We spend 90,000 hours of our lives at work on average. And it's amazing back to your statistic on 80% of people not being engaged at work, 80% of people not enjoying and a lot of them being miserable for 90,000 hours of our life. It's tragic. It truly is. And it's, it's amazing hearing the way you approach your job and the way that plays out for your people at your tribe at um, WD40 is, is, is incredible. Another question for you. If you could say one way that you have grown as a leader since you started in your career, what way would you highlight? Uh, learning the three most important words I've ever learned in my life. I don't know. <laughs> and getting comfortable with them. Realizing that I'm consciously incompetent. Wow. Consciously incompetent. That's rich. That's rich. And that's, that's uh, empathy over ego and being willing to humble. And this, this podcast, as you know, is about leading with confidence and humility and being willing to say what you don't know and when you don't know it is it takes a lot of confidence actually and it, and it demonstrates humility powerful um if you could sit down it's a fun one if you could sit down and have lunch with any leader past or present who would that be nelson mandela good one education is the most you know what he said right amongst many things two two of my favorite quotes of his it's always impossible to, until it's done is one of them and the other one is education is the most powerful tool we can use to change the world. Wow. Rich. Very good. He, he's a legend. Remember, I was, I was actually in London at the time when, when he passed and his statue, I was, I was there that day and got to see all the wreaths and yeah. just an incredible, incredible person. Um, well, one of my favorite movies is Invictus, which mm. is you know, the movie where it shows how he used the game of rugby to change the, the, the un, if you will, the fabric of, of the, the conflict in South Africa. It was a great movie, great leadership movie. That's great. I want to go back and watch it now again. Really good. Let, uh, here's another question for you. Do you have, can you think of a smart risk that you've taken in your career? I know we talked about learning moments, but is there a, is there a certain risk where you put yourself out there and um, it paid off? What was that like? I think it's, I think it's a risk every day and it's the risk of being vulnerable. Hmm. If vulnerability is a risk and if you can get comfortable with being vulnerable, um, I think that's, that's something really, really strong. Yeah. And it, and it, it cascades in your organization when that's coming from senior leadership. That's, that's a, that's a great one. Um, before we close with where we can find you, would love to ask you, do you have any BHAG personal to you, any big, hairy, audacious goal that you're going after these days? Um, if you get an email from me, my sign off has been the same. Believe in yourself, never give up. Take one day at a time. And this one, we all have something significant yet to do because significance is so important. So my that. BHAG is, I have something significant yet to do. That's great. That's great. And lastly, where is a great place for people to be able to, to be able to find you? Um, well, you can find me on LinkedIn. I, as you know, Blake, I, I publish articles there from time to time. And I also have a website, www.thelearningmoment.net. And if you can't remember that, www.thesoulsuckingceo.com. <laughs> You can go visit Al on the soulsuckingceo.com. 
Hey, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for making the time. And I can't wait to continue to see the significant things that you do in your career in life. Well, thank you, Blake. And I'm grateful that you're out there helping leaders everywhere learn how we can make a difference in the world. So I want to thank you for making a difference because you are. I appreciate you. Thanks so much. What would it mean for your organization if your leaders became significantly more effective? At CoThrive, we help good leaders transform into exceptional leaders. And we do it in a way that builds camaraderie and deeper connection to your company for a fraction of the cost of less effective alternatives. If you're interested in learning more, find me on LinkedIn and just shoot me a message. As always, guys, keep leading on purpose.